Welcome to the In the Oil Patch radio show, broadcasting from the SR Trident studio. SR Trident, where safety is a culture, not just a word. In the Oil Patch radio show with Kimball Auto is where you will hear the latest in the oil, gas, and energy industry from a wide variety of industry experts, elected officials, and more, right here on In the Oil Patch radio show. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, along with my co-host, David Blackman. And we have a great show lined up for you today. We'll be talking with Fernando Vale, who is the Senior Oil and Gas Analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence, about the effects of Hurricane Ida on the oil and gas industry, a show you don't want to miss. But first, I want to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. Ben Dell was on the cover. And prior to that was Moda Midstream, in which they just announced a $3 billion sale to Enbridge. If you want to learn more about our latest issue, Bendel, or Moda Midstream, please visit shellmag.com. You can actually read all about it, and it is free with our digital issue. I'd also like to tell you about an upcoming mixer set for October the 7th. It is an all-stream mixer at the Hilton Doubletree Sky Lounge in Midland, Texas. It's an event you don't want to miss. If you want to build your business, bring plenty of business cards. We'll have great door prizes. Our speakers will be the Honorable Jason Isaac, who is with the Texas Public Policy Foundation discussing energy and what happened this past session. And, of course, talking about what the policy, Texas Public Policy Foundation, is working on. We'll also be joined by Vance Jin, who is also going to talk to us about property taxes. There was a lot of things that happened this past session here in Texas pertaining to property taxes. We know that property taxes have been on the rise. So if you're a homeowner or wanting information on becoming a homeowner and how property taxes will affect you, you definitely want to attend October 7th. It is from 545 to 745. Once again, it is an all-stream mixer at the Hilton Doubletree Sky Lounge. For more information, go to shellmag.com and click on the banner ad in which it'll take you straight to purchase your tickets to attend. Please don't wait as this, I promise you, will be a sold out event. And now it's time for me to welcome on my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in the oil patch. It sure is. It's beautiful, sunny skies where I am in San Antonio, Texas. Hopefully it's the same for you. Um, and you're part of Texas oh, where yes. you are. <laughs> Good. But it's hot. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about oil prices because natural gas prices have been really big news in these recent weeks. The uh, NY Mix price moved up into the $5 range this week, which we haven't seen that price at all. For I haven't seen it in nine uh, it's years. It's been a long time. It's been yeah, a long I, time. I, I, <laughs> um, so what are those factors that are leading to stru- such strong prices and uh, what's going to happen this winter? Because we know that, of course, yeah. uh, natural gas prices really have an impact on winter pricing uh, for heating our homes and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, I, it's it's been such an interesting evolution for natural gas this year. I uh, Gosh, the prices doubled uh, during the course of 2021. And uh here we are at $5 now going into the winter, uh, or at least a couple of months away from winter. Um, it, it, you know, the biggest thing I think that's impacting it right now is just record high exports of liquefied natural gas from the United States. Uh, the global demand for liquefied natural gas is just exploding um, as countries realize that they can't provide all their energy needs with 
windmills and solar panels made in China. You think? And, uh, <laughs> so they're looking for natural gas produced in the United States and Australia. And Qatar are the three biggest exporters of LNG. So that's one big factor. And of course, well, you know, natural gas plays a bigger and bigger role here in the United States in, in uh, power generation as well, uh, for the same reasons. Uh, you have to have reliable baseload uh, power generating capacity uh, for when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing. And so we're filling that need with natural gas um, and to a much lesser extent, nuclear and coal. So th those are the two big things, uh, big drivers of this is just, you know, we have no lack of supply. We have, my gosh, uh, 500 years supply. <laughs> it's uh, the abundance is incredible. Uh, it's, it's the demand is outpacing uh, the increase in supply right now. And so here we are. And as for this winter, you know, um, I'm afraid we could see natural gas prices get up even higher, six or $7 during the course of the winter. Uh, and if God help us, if we have another major winter storm like we did last year, it could go even higher. So, um, what's so the effect anyway, to the consumer if we have a very strong winter? Higher yeah, prices. And, and consumers aren't seeing it yet uh, so much. But if these higher prices linger, uh, because it plays such a big role in power generation, your utility bills could could go up here in Texas in particular because we get half our electricity from natural gas fire power plants. So we're not seeing that yet because they redetermine their prices on a quarterly basis. But uh, we could be seeing uh, higher utility bills here in the coming months as a result of this. Now, I wrote a media piece, so tell me if this was accurate or not, that a country, or maybe, I'm not sure where it was, actually completely went away from their thoughts that they were going to go solar and win and went back to natural gas because they realized it just Germany Germany that's yeah. what, and I was like finally some countries are realizing this is pie in the sky meanwhile Bloomberg reports this week that China has some of the world's other big consumers of crude have now exceeded their pre-pandemic levels of using oil usage this year yeah. Now, that's kind of big uh, and surprising because it seems <laughs> like everybody was on the same page that we need to walk away from this. And, you know, you said <laughs> Germany has walked that back. What are the plans for the Biden administration and their Green New Deal? How are they going to continue to sell the Green New Deal if, if other countries are falling off? Yeah. So, I mean, this is just a prime example of, of how limited any government's ability is to really determine how we get our energy. Okay. I mean, the Biden administration. It's not up to can, them. It's up to just, it's what it's, we it's need. It's up to the marketplace and, and, and demand, uh, you know, we need energy and we need it now. And our economy is booming right now. And, and our population is growing and we're so, you know, people want to buy more cars and, and every new iPhone needs more energy and all your new TV sets with the, ultra high definition and 85 inch, you know, diagonals require more energy. And, and that means you have to get it and you have to get it in a way that's scalable in a way that's fast. And the only way to do that in the current world, in the real world we live in and not the unicorn world that the Biden administration lives in. <laughs> that's hanging on a wind fuels. turbine. <laughs> yes. Right. It's with fossil fuels. You know, it's, you can, you can drill new gas wells and new oil wells a whole lot quicker than you can build more wind turbines and, and, and site new solar panels. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what's happening. And that's what's going to be determinative, okay? Um, a, a great writer named Robert Bryce wrote a great piece in late August, you know, in which he just said that in the real world, economics always trumps policy, okay? And, and always trumps Green New Deal stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's true. And the economics are that we need more fossil fuels. We want them. We're going, we're going to use them, and, and that's the way it's going to be for the time being. It's just and a, um, we've been telling you all that for years. That's now. right. We've been on the air for six years, and we've been yeah. saying that, that, you know, we're not uh, against any form of energy. It just has to make sense. Right. And so the Green New Deal might be uh, heading down a really uh, not-so-great path of how to keep selling this to yeah. other countries and to the media, but I'm sure they'll, they'll find a way of continuing to... Um, figure out a way of peddling it let's switch gears and talk about moda moda midstream was on our cover of shell magazine not too long ago and recently was announced announced this week that they sold their crude exporting facility to Enbridge this Mm -hmm. week and of course we know that moda midstream is like the largest midstream company in north america largest Uh, export (laughs) facility in the country yeah right and uh and now line del base is looking to sell its refinery in houston so what's going Mm -hmm. on on the downstream uh, facility sales side well it's it's interesting it's uh it's a real phenomenon right now that we're seeing a lot of deals uh and the downstream side of the business which hasn't really been the case so much prior to this year always been up and mid yeah and you know it's as these facilities become increasingly profitable which they have refineries have become more profitable this year uh, just due to the economics of it. And, and of course, these LNG export facilities are going to be hugely profitable this year. And, and so, so, you know, and Moda, of course, had is just doing incredible business uh, down there in Ingleside with its facility. And it just became a real attractive uh, acquisition target. And Enbridge came in and, you know, offered them uh, uh, obviously a deal they couldn't refuse. So good for them. I, yeah. You know, I, I uh, that was a great cover that we did with them. Uh, we really enjoyed talking with them and and uh, and and writing about that. Uh, and so, you know, may, maybe now we'll have to write a, a piece about Enbridge uh, in, in a future issue. Something tells me we'll be getting them as they move yeah. into the Corpus <laughs> Christi region. It was yeah. a great story of the three executives that actually were running Moda Midstream, and it's good to see that they're going to have a good uh, ending to this. But they also still have other assets. So something tells me that we haven't seen the last of those executives and what they're working on as well. Right. But David, before we close out the show, earlier we talked about Germany and how they were mm-hmm. bringing back the Green New Deal of what they had pushed out so much. Tell me a little bit more about what happened. Yeah, so uh, Germany about uh, five, six years ago decided that they were going to embark on this big, enormous project to uh, shut down all their coal and natural gas plants and replace them with uh, wind power and solar power. And and what inevitably happened is what will happen in the United States if we do the same thing, is that uh, utility bills quickly tripled for German consumers. And and the consumers uh, basically staged an uprising against all that. And the German government over the last year has had to authorize the building of a raft of new natural gas uh, power plants, you know, to generate reliable electricity 24 hours a day to fill demand, consumer demand. And, and so it was just this enormously expensive, costly, hundreds of billions of dollars 
and, and subsidies for wind and solar that ends up tripling your, your electricity bill every month. And that's what will happen here in America if we go down the same road. So, you know, what we're seeing in America right now is economics, you know, trumping all of that. And hopefully, in my view, I hope that continues. Very good. Well, David, that is all the time we have. When we return, we will be joined by Fernando Vale, who is the Senior Oil and Gas Analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. You're listening to An Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And now, David, it is time for us to welcome on our guest today, Fernando Vell, who is the Senior Oil and Gas Analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Fernando, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My pleasure to be here, Kim. Thank you for having me. Well, we're excited because this is the first time that we're being joined by Bloomberg Intelligence. So before we begin, tell us a little bit about your background and your role at Bloomberg Intelligence. Specifically, what does Bloomberg Intelligence basically do, the mission? Sure. So our mission is to provide in-depth research into industries, uh, commodities, and companies uh, for terminal subscribers, uh, Bloomberg terminal subscribers. We're close to 400 people globally. Uh, We cover uh, over a thousand different securities on the credit side, equity side, and as I mentioned, commodities. And now we're also launching on ESG. we're unique because uh, as opposed to most research that's affiliated, traditionally affiliated with banks and investment banking, we're uh, totally independent. We are part of Bloomberg, of course, and we uh, liaise with Bloomberg News on a regular basis, but we are independent. Uh, my role is to cover the integrated oil companies and the refiners in the Americas and also the uh, oil commodities in the Americas. Um, I've been at Bloomberg now for four years. Uh, prior to that, I did. Uh, I spent seven years in equity research at City uh, Citigroup, uh, covering oil and gas as well, uh, the, the global majors and refiners. When you say you're independent of Bloomberg, can you? So it's Bloomberg Intelligence, but how independent does that are you guys? Are you reporting sure. completely on your own and just giving it to Bloomberg to report? Uh, well, I meant more that Bloomberg Intelligence is independent of uh, banking businesses and okay. uh, of the companies themselves. So. <laughs> Uh, we are, I, I report into Bloomberg uh, News, uh, John Nicolwith is the head of Bloomberg News and Research, so we report under him, uh, but we are, uh, we are we are pretty much independent and other than compliance and legal requirements, we're, we're free to, to write as we wish and, uh, and, and to provide our, our insights to, to our clients. Very good. Well, a good friend of mine actually works for Bloomberg, too, I think in a different department. His uh, name is Sergio Chapa, and he came from the San Antonio. Yes, he's We're awesome. We're both Brazilian. <laughs> yes. He, he's, uh, he's a great, great guy, I tell you. Very, a very big loss here in Texas. Yes, it was. <laughs> okay. Sergio's a good guy. So let's we, we get talk, s- we talk, we talk. 
Oh, no. We talk frequently. Yes, and right, I'm glad he, he's just been moving up and up and up, and that's great. Um, let's talk a little bit about Ida, because obviously everyone is familiar with what happened. Um, land, it made landfall um, on, in south Louisiana as a Category 4 storm, the strongest to hit Louisiana since Katrina uh, 16 years previously. And the storm caused a great deal of devastation to Louisiana and Mississippi and all the people who were unfortunately in its path. Um, and we offer our prayers and thoughts, of course, to uh, them. Uh, personally, I've been in two hurricanes on South Texas coastline, uh, Hannah and Harvey, so I, I know the pain. Uh, but we're here to discuss the impact uh, or impacts specifically in the oil and gas industry and, um, you know, the in those areas and how significant has it been. So, so can we start there, um, Fernando? If, tell us a little bit about what you're seeing uh, of the effects of Hurricane Ida. Sure, Kim. Uh, first, I'll, I echo the sentiments of send my best to the people of Louisiana and everyone impacted by the hurricane. Um, I think the, as far as the impact, you, you brought up Harvey, and Harvey was uh, a huge mark for the refining industry because uh, capacity was out for so long. And although it was obviously a very adverse uh, event, it actually helped spur a refining golden age after that because inventories fell sharply during the outages and if you weren't one of the refiners that was deeply impacted you ultimately saw benefits in your margins and even the ones that were impacted uh it helped drive the glut of refined products that we had uh in 2016 down so sharply that it, it, it enabled uh along with other factors that refining golden age uh, ida at first seemed like the impact on on the refining capacity itself hadn't been as poor as 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 big as Harvey was on the Texas side of the equation. Louisiana is obviously also a smaller hub than Texas uh, for refining, but still very significant, our yeah. second largest one. And but so far the issue hasn't been so much the physical damage that the the plants endured, uh, but more the the issues in restoring power and restoring crude access. Um, you also obviously had the impacts on the Gulf of Mexico that continue to be felt. Uh, I was just speaking to David before we started taping, but the uh, inventory numbers that came out for the period uh, ended September 3rd uh, showed you know, the, the drop in crude was much smaller than the drop in refined products. And that's mostly because the refineries have been slower to pick up. You saw a really large decrease in refining operating capacity uh, and they've been slower. It is a higher risk uh, environment and uh, offshore production, uh, surprisingly, but because high pressure, high temperature. So it can take uh, several days to a week to even for a refinery that's just been uh, cautiously shut down to come back to full capacity. So, so far what we're seeing is uh, a lot of uh, refined product draws, a smaller impact on, uh, on, on crude production. And I think um, it bolsters some optimism for for prices, uh, especially uh, because uh, we, with the numbers that came out today, uh, over 10 million barrels decrease in, in refined pro in gasoline and diesel alone. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's going to be it's going to take a little while to to get back to normal. I think at least another uh, couple of weeks for us to normalize production and refining capacity. Understood. So they're going to have to hang on a little bit more and endure a little bit more of the pain. 
I remember that pain too. It took South Texas a little while to get back on on target too. I mean, we had shortages to the consumers that were felt all through Texas as well. When we get back from break, we're going to drill down a little bit more into the refining business. And then, of course, how is this affecting the people of Louisiana, Mississippi, and everyone in that region? We'll be right back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. SR Trident is a veteran-owned and operated industrial construction company. Established in 2012 by co-founders Stephen Snyder and Ryan Berthold, SR Trident has positioned itself as an expert in the industrial construction sector. With mounting business expansions, they've assembled a team of skilled, experienced, and able individuals who are dedicated to meeting client needs as they evolve. SR Trident's safety record is impeccable as they've won a number of awards, including the ABC National Safety Excellence Award in 2020. With exceptional leadership and experience driving their gains, SR Trident can tackle any project and are ready to let their talent be the driving force in the energy industry. Call today, 361-776-2662 or visit online at srtrident.com to request a bid proposal today. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Fernando Vale, who is the Senior Oil and Gas Analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Hey, Fernando, it's it's David Blackman. Uh, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Um, so, you know, with these refinery outages, we haven't really seen a, at least in Texas, and, and according to AAA uh, nationally, a, a real significant spike in gasoline or diesel prices, but we still have uh, several refineries at least partially down uh, in the wake of Ida, and I'm just wondering what you guys are Seeing, are you trying? Are you, are you anticipating uh, any more significant uh, impacts on consumers from this thing? Hey, that's a great question. I think you know, as I, I alluded earlier, it will take a couple more weeks to normalize. But we've had, uh, we were in a position where we had significant inventories. We were starting to get back into the five-year average uh, levels, but right. we still had substantial inventories. And when you look globally, inventories are actually relatively high and right. uh, Asia had started to cut back. So we're seeing imports uh, getting some benefits, especially to the East and West coasts uh, that tend to be the import heavy areas of the country. Um, you know, I think Kim said we, we aren't seeing significant shortages outside of the impacted zone, where obviously you have logistical issues and infrastructure that needs to be replaced. Um, and I, I think outside of that scope, it's not uh, going to be a, a substantial impact. It also bears uh, keeping in mind that, you know, the biggest component to gasoline prices is always oil price. And right. at this stage, we're having OPEC plus start to bring back the 400,000 barrels a day of capacity every month. Uh, we're also, as I said, uh, Asia is, is having issues with their own demand. Um, we have seen that that uh, there was a cut in OSP to Asia for Saudi Arabia of $2 a barrel. So trying to get uh, so it, it, some indications of softening demand as uh, parts of the world struggle with another wave of COVID-19 
and locks down a little bit of the uh, the demand. Uh, yeah, I think that's. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I yeah, and I I think we're seeing that right. I mean, because we've had all these upsets, not just in the United States, but but really disruptions in productions in other in, in other countries uh, globally. Uh, and oil prices have not spiked uh, here over the last couple of weeks. So I think uh, that point is very well taken uh, that, you know, that that softening demand in some areas is kind of offsetting all of this upset. Yeah, and, and I think the best case to look at that is uh, the Chinese port congestion and because they have taken uh, some of their workers off the ports themselves. And that has significant read-throughs for uh, worldwide demand, right? I right. think China is the leading manufacturer in the world now, and if we can't get the exports out, that has a lot of uh, impact in diesel demand uh, for trade and also gasoline consumption on a lag effect because gasoline tends to be very correlated with disposable income. Uh, I guess th that was probably the one great news from today's report on the EIA was that gasoline demand was still pretty strong, and that was a concern that we had because of the end of the the extra federal unemployment, the extra $300 right. a week that we were receiving uh, for the past several months. So, so far we haven't seen an impact on, on U.S. gasoline demand. You know, Fernando, a lot of uh, our listeners, um, some of them, of course, are in the no area in energy. They work in energy, but a lot of them are just listeners that l enjoy listening to talk radio and furthering their intelligence. And, and we're happy to provide more uh, meaningful dialogue on the very complicated topic of oil and gas and how it affects them either at the pump, at the grocery store, or even, you know, there's so much discussion and chatter on climate change. And, and, and is this real? Is this, it, they all intertwine to some degree. And so when we have, you know, media that's reporting on this and helping it break it down for people to really understand, this is what's happening. This is how it's affecting you. And the fact that, yes, you know, it was interesting that we were seeing a lot of people coming off of unemployment, and yet these numbers are strong and people don't quite understand. If it's affecting uh, another part of the world, there's a good chance that we're talking about this kind of commodity, uh, crude, it's going to affect you potentially in your pocketbook usually at the pump, depending on what time of the year it is. When we get back, though, I want to talk about a white paper that you guys released on August 27th, specifically talking about refinery outages and how that also came into play. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org.
And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Fernando Vale, who is the Senior Oil and Gas Analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Fernando, um, we were talking about a white paper that you had released um, August 27th, and we kind of covered it uh, a little bit. But let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about the massive refining outages that were caused by Hurricane Harvey. It caused a temporary shutdown. So the big colonial pipeline that transported uh, gasoline up and down the eastern seaboard, that also caused a significant uh, price spike. So are we going to see this same thing in the wake of Ida? What are your thoughts there? Is this a repeat? Uh, I think it's probably not going to be a a repeat. for two, two primary reasons. First, Colonial is still working. As I mentioned, we have the inventories built up, but uh, you know the demand aspect, especially as it imports into the Eastern seaboard, uh, is helping to mitigate some of the impact from lost production in, in Louisiana. Um, the other portion is, again, crude is really the biggest driver in the, um, it's the biggest driver in the, in, in the gasoline price at the end of the day. You know, the crack spread, how much uh, a refiner makes by uh, converting crude into gasoline can be $16 a barrel, uh, whereas WTI right now is $70. So a 10% move in, in, in oil price is $7 a barrel as opposed to $1.6 a barrel for a crack spread. So crude is really where you'll feel the biggest pinch in your wallet uh, if it goes up. And uh, OPEC Plus bringing back 400,000 barrels a day every month um, especially in a period where there's uncertainty, uncertainty on global demand, really helps to mitigate a lot of that risk. I think that's why, even though we lost over 1 million barrels a day of production in the Gulf of Mexico because of Hurricane Ida, we haven't really seen that spiking in, in, in crude prices, both Brent and WTI, um, because it's obviously temporary. We have the inventories. Uh, we had um, the U.S. government agreed to release uh, some part of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. So all of those have helped quell uh, the, 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 what would otherwise have been a surge uh, in oil prices. And I, I think now we're probably through the worst of it, and I don't expect to see a major increase absent some, some other external event. Yeah, uh, so you, you mentioned uh, shut-in production in the Gulf, and obviously I think uh, really virtually 100% of it had to go offline, uh, you know, in preparation for this hurricane. And as we're recording this show, uh, uh, most of it remains offline, unless I've missed something. Uh, do we have, are you hearing uh, any any news about expected timelines for getting all that production back up and online? Yeah, I believe Shell and BP have started to bring most of their production back online. I know Thunder Horse has uh, come back on. Uh, but it, it is a gradual increase into production. Again, high pressure situation offshore. Uh, you also have the pipelines that bring natural gas uh, into shore that sometimes need to be repressurized. So it, it will take a little bit, probably anywhere between a week to two weeks to bring them back into full capacity. Um, you know, it hasn't helped that we had Hurricane Larry and others that probably brought some inclement weather to that region as well. Right. Um, but I think we, uh, from what I've heard so far, we have started uh, to bring back that capacity uh, and it, it, we should be normalized closer to, to pre, pre-IDA uh, levels within two to three weeks max. That was pretty fast because Hurricane Harvey took months 
Uh, it, did, yeah. it took months um, to even start seeing recovery occurring. Ida caused um, also flooding and other damages uh, in its path uh, in New York, specifically in New Jersey. Did the oil industry specifically experience any damage um, or outages due to the flooding that occurred? Well, I don't believe uh, so much here in, in the Northeast. Um, I think the, the biggest issue has been uh, in the New Orleans area where you had over 1.8 million barrels a day of capacity shuttered. And then you have uh, some uh, refineries like PBF Energy Chalmette and um, Phillips 66 Alliance that are struggling to bring power back online. And they are big refineries, Chalmette's almost 160,000 barrels a day and Alliance right. is over 220. Um, and there are others uh, in, in the same situation. Uh, but we haven't seen a lot a reports of a lot of actual physical damage to refining capacity. Um, and, you know, the one refinery up here in, in New Jersey, Bayway, seems to have been uh, mostly safe. It's a Phillips 66 refinery um, that it, it seems to continue to operate. I guess the only the only issue has been some small loss demand because we, we didn't make we didn't manage to go into New York City that, that much. Uh, when uh, Ida flooded uh, Other than the, 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 the subway, else. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, those, exactly. are, those are scary videos of all that. I, yeah. You know, the, the other thing in, in Louisiana, particularly in the southern part of the state, is they have this extensive network of in the midstream business, all these pipelines crisscrossing the swamps and, and the estuaries down there. Have you heard anything? Uh, uh, are you seeing any reports about damages to any of those pipelines and you know, any kinds of spills taking place. Um, you know, I know we're, we're always really conscious of any uh, environmental damage from the industry in that part of the world. That's true. Absolutely. M most of those pipes are buried, so they tend to be uh, on the safer side. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, I think one of the, uh, most of the midstream providers active in that region, Kinder Morgan Energy Transfer, uh, have not reported any significant uh, outages or, uh, impacts. Um, I think there is probably some limitation as well. They, they they probably pulled pressure back from those pipes in preparation for the uh, in preparation for the the hurricane. There's also a lot of uh, barging uh, that happens, right. especially for crude. And th those I've unfortunately seen some very scary pictures of barges that uh, wound up on the on the wrong side of the of the canals. Uh, on <laughs> <Yeah>. land. <laughs> that always happens in these storms, yeah. Um, and that's partially what's disrupted, um, that what's disrupted crude uh, intake to, to some of the, the uh, refineries because the last mile sometimes is through barges as opposed to through, through pipeline. Yeah. And David, wasn't there also, when we had Hurricane Harvey and of course the Port of Corpus Christi is a huge importer exporter, of crude itself, probably the largest in North America by tonnage, but they had to shut down their port for a couple of days, and it had a big impact as well on global demand because ships couldn't get in and out. So I'm assuming that this is right. going to have some kind of logistical problems as well. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
The 23rd World Petroleum Congress brings the global industry to the energy capital of the world, Houston, Texas, December 5th through 9th, 2021, for a week of forward-looking conversation that will shape the future of energy. The Congress will be centered around the theme of innovative energy solutions, drawing inspiration from the innovative spirit of the industry over the decades. Delegates can expect robust strategic, technical, and U.S. programs with perspectives from government leaders, CEOs, academia, and other expert speakers on the industry trends, as well as creative solutions and best practices to address current energy challenges. Delegates will have the opportunity to attend industry insight luncheons and numerous networking events that will build new professional relationships and strengthen existing ones. Also, they can explore the Congress exhibition where leading international companies will showcase their innovations. Make your mark at the World Petroleum Congress and be a part of the beginning of what's next. To learn more and register, visit www.23wpchouston.com. Register early and take advantage of the summer registration rate until September 15th. We're back. You're listening to and the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Fernando Vale, who is the senior oil and gas analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Fernando, uh, you, you and I, before we, we started taping here, we're talking about Port Fouchon, which is uh, it's always at the top of my mind when when I these hurricanes come through South Louisiana because it's such a critical piece of what the oil and gas industry does in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, I think over ninety percent. Of, of all the services and 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 other oil and gas operations are staged out of that, you know, one port down there in in South Louisiana. So it's it's a really critical piece of in, infrastructure. I know it. Uh, you know, we've seen photos and films of the damages suffered in the port, and I've seen conflicting stories about how rapidly that's coming back early on. Right after the storm passed, they were saying it would be weeks. Uh, but early this week, uh, someone at the port said, you know, we're going to be fully back up and running by the end of this week. And I'm, I just am curious to, to know what you're hearing uh, and, and your group is hearing about what's what's what the status is there at that critical port. Yeah, David, it, it is absolutely vital to, uh, to the logistics uh, for the region and I think, uh, you know, the administrator said by September 3rd, they had met, made a bell pass uh, uh, navigable. So you could at least go through the channel. Yeah. Um, I think as with any major uh, weather uh, event, there is some disruption, especially at the mouth of the of the, the bay. And sure. um, that, that probably will take a little bit longer. So far, all I've heard is is the same as as you've said that we are progressing towards normalization by the end of this week, um, and you know with full operations and not not too distant after that. Um, I think as as we talked about the impact on the refining side and on the on on the Gulf of, Gulf of Mexico side to get full volumes back on, it will it will take also those those uh, units being back online. To their full capacity, which could be, take a little bit longer, they're you know they, they're probably the next step uh, into it because you need to get people out to the platforms and to do service, uh, yeah. and also you need power restored in in the New Orleans area and and slowly progress um, turning on all the different units and, and progressively so that it doesn't have any 
uh, safety issues. Just well, uh, yeah, safety is is critical. That, that's another thing to add to this is one of the the major reasons why getting that port open running at full capacity quickly is because that's where all the all the uh, uh, safety uh, uh, emergency preparedness operations are staged out of as well. And so in case there's an incident in the Gulf and you need to, to get ships out there to deal with it, that's where they're going to come from. And, and so, you know, hopefully, uh, obviously we haven't had a real major huge incident out there uh, in, in almost a dozen years now, but Thank you goodness. always keep your fingers crossed. Nothing big happens while Port Bouchon's having issues. Absolutely. Well- well, um, David and um, Fernando, just curious, you know, we, we heard reports that I think it was Shell, uh, one of their offshore platforms uh, was loose uh, during Hurricane Ida. Very scary thought that this massive platform is has broken loose. What, in your opinion, Fernando, what were some of the um, most largest energy companies or refineries that were impacted? And were there any of these energy companies that responded really well quickly on early on and you can attribute that what they the way they responded was a really good thing were there any winners that you can point out that really acted really quickly and were able to avoid any major problems well i think so far with the reports uh you know it was the mars platform that was rumored to have gone uh uh off uh off its anchoring and it apparently that's not true and it remains safe i think overall if you look around uh safety wise which as david said is the priority for the industry um we've passed the flying colors it's been uh, better than even harvey where we had some issues of upsets and uh flaring that had to be done um i think probably the one new aspect in, in the in this answer has been Exxon obtaining the 1.5 million barrel uh, release from the SPR, uh, which I think, you know, will help uh, ensure some production in the area. It, it, uh, the Baton the Rouge refinery is over 500,000 barrels a day of capacity. So it's a very important refinery and basically got three days worth of uh, crude. Uh, to go and, and create some production that can be more easily distributed in the area um, and, and quell shortages. Um, I think overall the industry has done a pretty good job, even with power uh, being out, um, there have been no uh, no real incidents of upsets or, you know, God forbid, uh, explosions or anything of that sort uh, with refining capacity, which again is your biggest concern uh, because of the high pressure, high temperature environment. Uh, and that's, I've been remiss. I've been meaning to ask, follow up on that question of the, the power outages. I know, you know, uh, isolated pockets of, of power have been restored, but are you hearing any, any news on or any reports on the expected timeline for having power fully restored in that, in that New Orleans, Baton Rouge area? Um, I thought from my expectation, from what I've heard from PBF, it was supposed to be by end of the week. Okay. And they were working to, to ramp their units back as power was restored. Well, Fernando, thank you also for clearing up because it was like three days when uh, Hurricane Ida is coming on shore that it was uh, also being um, 
discussed in the media that there was a loose offshore platform that was occurring as well. So that lasted for a couple of days, and then, of course, it went away and died, probably just like Hurricane Ida somewhere. Well, you know, Mars did come loose and was kind of floating around the Gulf uh, during, during Hurricane Katrina, and it wasn't the only one. Well, uh, maybe but, that's where the story surfaced from, but I'm glad that we were able to discuss yeah. that and get that, uh, because it was, it was majorly FPSOs, discussed. Yeah, absolutely. And FPSOs are kind of the advent for that because they are exactly. more easily repositioned and they, they actually, the Cascade Chinook uh, FPSOs were made so that you can just disconnect the umbilicals and let them float and, you know, um, and, and along with the waters, and then uh, be repositioned onto their to the umbilicals once the hurricane is over. Right, right. Very interesting, Fernando. I'd like to thank you on behalf of David, myself, and of course, in the Oil Patch Radio Show for coming on and discussing the impacts that Hurricane Ida had in the area, and of course, what some of the uh, energy companies dealt with and how they responded to it. Fernando, before we leave, we'd like to, if there are any listeners that would like to get in contact with you for a comment uh, or your opinion, where can our listeners find you at? Uh, You can find me on the Bloomberg Terminal if you're a subscriber or email me at fvalley7 at bloomberg.net or follow me on Twitter. It's at Fernando Oil. Very good. Once again, thank you for being a guest on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.